Kevin Durant left the Brooklyn Nets to join the Phoenix Suns. His arrival started a new arms race in the Western Conference. The NBA has been nothing but chaotic from 2019 because no team was able to maintain their dominance for more than one season. Will Durant and the Suns end this chaos and take the league to a new era? Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am your host Li Xiang, and today let's talk about the NBA trade deadline. Let's begin with Kevin Durant. Personally, I believe KD plus the Suns make the most dominant NBA lineup since the Golden State Warriors in 2017. By the way, KD himself played for the Warriors. They made the NBA Finals three times in a row, and they won two of them. Now he's teammates with Chris Paul, one of the best ball distributors in the NBA. He's teammates with Devin Booker, a guard who could score 70 points in one game. That is the second highest scoring record in today's NBA. KD will also be teammates with DeAndre Ayton, who was the first draft selection in 2018. Since then, he has averaged double doubles every season. Sure, the Suns lost Michael Bridges, Cameron Johnson, and Jay Crowder when they were trading for KD. Their departures will definitely cost the team.、Uh, without Michael Bridges, the team has no one to cover the opponent's perimeter ace. Without Jay Crowder, by the way, he hasn't played in any game this season for the Suns. They don't have enough muscles to tussle with, say, Giannis Antetokounmpo or other really powerful power forwards in the low block. Without Cameron Johnson, it will definitely hurt the Suns in spacing. But no team is perfect, especially the team that has four star players like these four. Their salaries came from the losses from other fronts, and even with the players they have now, the Suns still have enough to make a very dominant squad. Say if you want a balanced lineup, you can have Tariq Craig there, who can also make extra contributions on offensive rebounding. If you want a more defensive and more athletic squad, there you can put Josh Okogi there. He is a good, he is a great finisher in fast break, and he has more than enough energy to drive up the pace in on the court. If the Suns want to go extreme in spacing and offense. They can go with Damian Lee, who has been shooting to kill so far this season. Most importantly, this big four of Paul, Booker, Durant, and Aiton—they all have very high tolerance of poor spacing. Because both Booker and Durant, they are two of the league's best middle-range shooters. They can both be trusted with clutch time shooting. So is Chris Paul. Aiton is also one of the best middle-range shooters among all centers, or among all big men, if I'm not exaggerating. The only way I think that is stopping the Suns from extending their dominance for more than one year or more than two years is probably Chris Paul, because he's 37 years old. He already showed a lot of signs of being on his way down. The good news is that since he came back, Paul was in a good form, and his contract, the guaranteed money of that contract, is growing smaller and smaller in the coming two seasons. If the Suns want to get want to get rid of him, they can still trade him for something because his contract it will become much will become more and more valuable after this season. And next, let's go with the Nets. I gotta say that the Nets. 
actually shocked me twice. The first time when they were so quick in trading Kyrie Irving to Dallas Mavericks. The second time when they traded KD to the Suns. But I think they made the right decision because. Since Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving joined hands in 2019, and then they were joined by James Harden in 2020, they made probably the most disappointing big three in 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 NBA history. Back then, whenever we were talking about this team, this Nets, we thought they could definitely outscore any opponents because of the offensive dominance of KD, Harden, and Kyrie Irving. That didn't happen, actually. It didn't happen for very good reasons because Harden went too far in changing his style of playing from a super backcourt core to a playmaker. Remember when he left the Brooklyn Nets for the Philadelphia 76ers? Their first season didn't go so well. I'm not blaming Harden for that, for all of that, because he was injured. He he spent a long time recovering from that injury, but after they were knocked out from the playoffs. Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers, both of them were saying that Harden now is only a playmaker. They need him to find back that scoring ability. They need him to be more than a playmaker. This season, a much healthier Harden is doing exactly that. Especially when Joel Embiid was not on the court, Harden found his, or at least part of his, offensive dominance back, and now he's playing in the way the team wanted him to play. That's not what he was doing for the Nets. Again, not completely his fault because of the injury, but. Harden's part in the big three for the Nets was not very successful, and then there was Kyrie Irving. I'm not judging anything Kyrie did. I'm just saying that Kyrie is a great player. He is an elite scorer. He's explosive in the last quarter when your team trailed. You can go to him and say, "Kyrie, save us." He can do that. He is definitely capable of playing a scoring leader in one team. But as long as he's not on the court, he's unable to deliver any of that. Kyrie is a good player, but he hasn't played so much since he joined the Nets. He and KD and Harden they played so few games together that it didn't really feel like the team ever had a complete, healthy, working big three with the team and KD himself. Has caused enough trouble for the Brooklyn Nets. Remember, before the season began, KD asked asked the Nets to trade him when he still has four years left of his contract. He is the one who assembled this big three, and then he said, "Please trade me." That didn't happen back then, but that definitely has hurt the team both mentally. And their locker room. So I think the Nets now made the really good decision to say. We are tired of this drama, this soap opera. We're gonna we're gonna get rid of all of you, and then we will have a new squad, a young one who are willing to play together, who are willing to compete together, and then maybe go for the playoffs. I'm gonna be honest here. The Nets now are no longer a champion candidate anymore. Don't get me wrong. I love the players they have now. They have Spencer Dinwiddie. They have Dorian Finney-Smith. They have Seth Curry. They have Bridges. All of these are good players, but they're not stars. But again, they are also not as bad as a rebuilding as a tanking team. They can still keep the 
that's as competitive as they are in the race for playoff qualification. That's that can be their goal if they put their minds on it, and they definitely have enough salary space to sign a good extension that will satisfy Cameron Johnson when his contract comes due this summer. But if the Nets don't want to say go for the playoffs and then get knocked out in the first round, they have the second option. They can rebuild, but not in the traditional way of tanking because. Though they received a lot of first rounders in the trade for KD and Kyrie, none of those are their own, and I really don't think the Mavericks or the Suns will be bad enough to give the Nets really high draft picks. I don't think they will get even lottery picks. But these picks and the players, like I mentioned, Bridges, Finney Smith, Seth Curry. Even Ben Simmons, these are all good assets for different kinds of trades. Say you want promising young men, you have a lot of first rounders to give away. You want if there's a star player who wants to leave, wants to change team this summer or in the next summer, the Nets ha- still have enough assets. Say it's a, if it's a big contract, you have Ben Simmons whose contract is big and long to put in the package and match the salaries. If they want competitive players, you have Bridges, who was the all-defensive first team last season. If you give him a big enough role, he can be an all-star caliber. I do have faith in him for doing that. Next, let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. They traded for D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jerry Vanderbilt, and Mobamba, in addition to Ray Hachimura, whom they landed from the Washington Wizards previously. The Lakers' biggest problems before were the lack of spacing and the lack of enough athleticism and size in the front court. Both Beasley and Russell are productive three-point shooters. They can do a lot of help to improve the team's spacing. Hachimura can play in two different forward positions. Vanderbilt can do that too, and Vanderbilt can be a very trustworthy defensive center in a small ball squad. The two together can ease the load off the shoulders of LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the front court. Bamba has grown much better in three-point shooting this season with his size, wingspan, and athleticism. He can also make certain contributions in protecting the paint. As long as the Lakers limit his time under certain level, he can play a positive role on the court. Then, but then that brings us to the problem of making the right rotations for the Lakers. Without Patrick Beverly, they now don't have anyone to cover the opponents. Backcourt ace, and the team will not be able to assemble a balanced squad on the court. If they go for offense, they will have to put Russell and Beasley on the court. Neither of them is a reliable defender. So when they make the backcourt pair, it will be very easy for the opponents to break their defense and then drive into the paint. If they go for defense, then you put Rihachimura and Vanderbilt there. Neither of them is reliable three-point shooter. So when they are together with Anthony Davis or Mobamba on the front court, LeBron James will not enjoy the spacing when he drives in. So the biggest problem for Darwin Ham is that he will have to find the right solutions to different scenarios on in the game. If the Lakers have enough time, I'm sure they will find a solution. But now time is not on their side. Last, let's talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. 
the team has not made as much noise as the other three teams did, but they achieved a lot in enhancing their lineup. They traded for Eric Gordon, Bones Highland, and Mason Plumley. It has been clearer and clearer to the Clippers this season that they need a big man like Levetra Zubats on the court for the defensive sake. The problem is they can't have Zubats play for all 48 minutes. When he is resting on the bench, the Clippers are likely too small to deal with most of the opponents in the league. Now with Plumlee coming off the bench, he matches Zubats in size, rebounding, and rim protection. More importantly, he is a much better passer than Zubats. That means there's a good chance for Plumlee and Paul George to build good chemistry in screen setting and three-point shooting off the screens. As for Gordon and Highland. Gordon fits perfectly into the Clippers' style playing. He can guard three different positions from point guard to small forward. He's a productive three-point shooter, and he can still penetrate off the dribble, which means he can offer what the Clippers lack the most: offensive aggressiveness. Highland poses a more complicated case. On the good side, he can offer great energy off the bench. He is a bold three-point shooter, but on the bad side, he is a terrible defender, and he often makes bad shooting choices. When he departed the Denver Nuggets, he wanted a bigger role. The team didn't want to give it to him, and they worried about him becoming a locker room problem. The Clippers will have to work on how to balance the players' goal and what the team needs. By sending away John Wall, the Clippers actually gave up on finding a traditional orchestrator for the team. That means they will rely more on ball movement, with everyone making a certain contributions in orchestrating. They do have resources for that. They have Nicholas Batum, they have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Gordon, and Plumlee can contribute to that too. As long as the Clippers are moving the ball in the right, reasonable way. The team can be as good as unstoppable because they can have a five-out team that provides the perfect spacing. But when the team cannot make three-pointers constantly, and when there's problem with their ball movement, their system can be very delicate and fall apart easily. And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. See you next week.